0: Those are some horrible stories.
1: Elevated the understanding of the consumer.
0: The, the wannabes, I, I want to say, you know, people yeah. with, with good intentions but bad results.
1: Elevated the service level of the providers. You know, this this sucks. Elevated the ability to hold bad actors accountable.
2: Hi, everybody out there, Dojo Nation.
1: As a contractor, every day is a fight for survival.
2: Oh. What the hell are we doing here, Harry?
1: Dojo is the Do Your Own Job Dojo. Sweep the leg. Curated by John Isaacson, contractor, guy inspector, author. There's nothing like it out there. A mediocre podcast
2: host. Nicely done
0: on keeping it together. That's
1: the Dojo podcast. Okay. Should be listening to you. Helping contractors shorten their dang learning curve.
2: Only here on the Dojo podcast, folks. The entered the Dojo podcast. Breaking news
1: from Clean Facts Magazine.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention?
1: In the IICRC endorses new federal mold assessment and remediation legislation. What is this? The Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, also known as the IICRC, has officially endorsed Representative Haley Stevens' new bill, the Fix Moldy Housing Act. This is purported to be bipartisan legislation authorizing the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, to study mold and how to assess and remediate it properly. The bill further provides grants to states and tribal governments that develop licensure programs for mold assessment and remediation professionals. According to Millie Washington, Standards Director for the IICRC, she stated, we often see federal regulators adopting various standards and educational documents, and we believe this is an ideal opportunity for the EPA to incorporate the ANSI IICRC S500 by reference when issuing the non-binding standards discussed in this legislation. You don't smell that? smell what? It smells like mold is what it smells like up here. This could be interesting. We definitely hear contractors locally and nationally express concerns about making sure that those providing services both for the assessment and the remediation and the post-assessment are on the same page up to the same standards or similar standards and are working to the best interest of the occupants of the building uh, and restoring that structure. When I got started many, many Years ago in mold is the tail end of the quote unquote mold is gold era. So insurance companies were paying for that. Now we see a lot more exclusions or caps on those kinds of things. So is this the opportunity to elevate the national discourse and interject at a federal level, you know, what some of those standards would be? It'd be interesting to hear, you know, those of you in states that have incorporated some of these rules if you really feel like it's elevated the understanding of the consumer elevated the service level of the providers, and elevated the ability to hold bad actors accountable. Ready for this? Here goes. You two suck. The AIHA, uh, which is an association of certified industrial hygienists primarily, um, also announced their support for this bipartisan bill. In addition, the bill would require the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine to launch a study on safe mold remediation and the conditions in which it is necessary. Um, according to AIHA CEO Larry Sloan, AIHA supports and encourages the passage of the Fixed Moldy Housing Act because the National Academy study would further our understanding of mold. Building on the results of this study, voluntary national standards could be developed for identifying and safely remediating mold. Something to watch. Obviously, the IICRC has some benefit in their standards being codified in this sense or further uh, promoted in the national discourse as a reference material for the proper assessment and remediation of mold. The AIHA also has a publication Um, often referred to as the Green Book, which is titled Recognition, Evaluation, and Control of Indoor Mold. But if the EPA is involved, they have their own recommendations and reference materials. It may lead to something more, and it may... (laughs) lead to a lot of the same. I sent some messages out to AHA and IICRC as well as some other industry professionals and um, some of the initial feedback. Any effort to acquaint builders and homeowners to the challenges of moisture and mold growth in homes can be a benefit. Obviously, elevating the public discourse, elevating attention to standards can be a positive thing. We're going to here back in time to a conversation we had with Gordy Powell on efforts he made in his home state of Georgia uh, to do something similar with regards to trauma cleanup.
0: You have entered the deal, do a podcast. One of the problems we had here was companies that didn't know what they were doing or didn't have a relationship were putting human remains in the landfill. And that's what really got the goat of a lot of legislators is, you know, there's. You know, if Grandma decomposed. Yeah, there's pieces there, but you know, if you've got a relationship with an autoclave, there's there's a a care concern op- yeah. you know process. Yeah. But just to think that okay, my, my grandma's inside the landfill. It's it, yeah. it just that bad. Yeah. Um, there's a. I was called out to a scene where another company did the cleanup, which was great, but you couldn't get rid of the smell. And so the the son called me out to his father's home. He says, I'm a former police officer out here. And he says, I know what's inside those boxes sitting on the curb. Yeah. They said that um, the company is supposed to be buying next day or so to, to pick those up and process them. They'd be taken care of properly. But he says, you know, that's my daddy out on the curb. They're treating them like trash. Those are some horrible stories.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not a hard process, but it's it's, it's one that's, that hasn't been regulated. You know, um, regulation... Sometimes it's a bad word. Yeah. I look at it more like, um, you know, a victim service post
1: So how many of you are upset when you see someone else present themselves as a property restoration professional, mold remediation professional, water damage professional, fire damage cleanup, construction, or trauma scene cleanup, and it burns your biscuits because they're not even following a baseline level Of professionalism.
3: I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story.
1: We talk about in our local group, that's a great opportunity to reach out to somebody and say, hey, we've met before at such and such event, and you seem like somebody that's trying to do things the right way. I came across a project um, that was frightening you know
0: this this sucks
1: and i just wanted to make sure give you the benefit of the doubt and as a peer-to-peer i'm not trying to throw shade but just wanted you to know this is what i've observed it takes two to tango right it takes someone as a professional extending the courtesy of The benefit of the doubt, or that some people, even if they're trained, don't always follow um, the way things should be done. People
0: with with good intentions, but bad results.
1: Or some people have bad days, but it also takes the professionalism on the other end to receive, you know, constructive criticism. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. I may not have known that had you not said that. I don't know how many times I've gone into a situation where the customer's bad mouthing the last contractor. And a lot of times that should be at minimal, an orange flag, you know, that. Um, This may be someone that's going to be difficult to please, whether they truly did have a bad experience that can set a certain level or maybe their expectations are beyond what uh, can be achieved. My friend Gordy, I would like to introduce, especially those of you who may be new to the industry, we had an article out recently in CNR Magazine, how to filter through industry BS.
2: In our industry, people look for the highest tech solution yeah. Rather than the lowest tech solution, and yeah. I think we should look for the lowest tech solution that'll work first before we go to any higher tech yeah. solution.
1: But um, and Cliff Slotnick shared some good insights. Uh, Say that the new guy coming in that really wants to try to learn to do things the right way. Do you have anything that might help that person to decipher when they're being fed a line of bull?
2: This is, I think, a lot about complications. John, people can be made to feel helpless. And I think that's what happens with a lot of these products. They give you this really sophisticated sales pitch. There's all kinds of numbers and there's equations and math. And like more, none of us are good at math. And people figure that they don't understand it. Therefore, the person who invented it smarter than I am. Ask them to explain to you simply, how does it work? Imagine that I'm a six-year-old. Explain it to me. Yeah. And if these people cannot explain it to a six year old according to albert einstein they don't understand it themselves
1: you're you're listening to someone that was there on the front lines as the industry was being birthed you can also hear him every friday on iaq radio plus uh the ogs of of restoration podcasting they were podcasting before there was even podcasting on internet radio Bebo Crane recently, we released a snip where he's sharing about how to stop making the same mistakes and getting yourselves into trouble.
0: You know, as a contract held accountable for our actions, they're going to be looked at. What we can prove at that time, not necessarily what we actually did. The simpler, the better. Or the more understood, the better.
1: Which is a little bit what we've been reviewing with the RJC versus AISD, learn from other people's mistakes, you know, whether they actually made a mistake or there's lessons to be learned where we could be a lot clearer in our processes. In our industry, in every industry, in every facet of life, there are doers and there are talkers. While it takes a certain amount of talking to sometimes get things done, at some point, the doings got to get done by the doers if the done things are going to be doed, done, if we're going to get anything done. So this is Gordy talking about getting legislation across in his home state coming from a place of...
0: Those are some horrible stories.
1: We've got bad actors. I want to see at least a baseline level of commitment from people so that we can weed through people getting consumers getting taken advantage of by um, people presenting themselves as professionals. 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 Helping contractors shorten their dang learning curve. The, the
0: concept of regulation started when I. First got into the business. I started in 1996. Went to my first trade show, which was the American Bio Recovery Association, back in 1998. I think it was. We're at a round table. We're sharing beers. We're talking about how how this is. It's it's, it's not a new service, but it's a, it was a new industry. Right. And like you know, God, it'd be nice if we had some type of regulation because even back then, we could see some of the. The wannabes, I want to say, you know, people with good intentions, but bad results.
1: So Gordy and partners and former partners and other participants got together and eventually found themselves at the state capitol, spent the majority of the day there before they were directed to who would be best aligned to be able to help them with their um, efforts.
0: We walked in the state capitol. Later on in the afternoon, we got to state representative, state representative, Alan Powell, no relation, and yeah. sat down and, um, and told him our spiel. We were sharing stories with, um, with Alan about how there might be a decomposed body in a house for about a week or two weeks. And there were companies out there that were saying, everything's gotta go. It's all contaminated. They would get out in the house. Then you find these items on Craigslist, they have yard sales. They 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 they'd resell oh. the item.
2: Sale oh. six fifty mark down from ten.
0: That one company that I know of, he would go inside the house and loot the house. He would take things before the cleanup. Huh. And I go, Why? He said, Well, just in case the insurance company screws me, then I'm 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 settled. I said, What well, if the insurance company pays you whole? He said, Oh, that's just a bonus. Uh. We were sharing stories with with Alan, and he says, you mean to tell me there's no regulation for what you cats are doing out there? I said, no, sir. He says, those are some horrible stories. And so it's it's stories like that 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 led to these
1: changes. So you might be thinking, all right, Gordy's Gordy's answered the question. We just need to march down to the state capitol. We need to knock on every door until we get uh, the right audience um, they obviously had put some thought into it and um, and went there with the plan but um, also some things uh, fell into place in the right ways but <laughs> and Gordy talks about having a plan b uh, and C and keep going at it and keep going at it so before you get too excited um, you know we got the talkers and the doers Gordy's uh, shown that he's a doer but you may be surprised how much persistence and endurance it took to get this all the way through the process. How, how long of a process was that? By the time it goes to effect
0: in January, five years. Ironically, he's...
1: Five years. Wow.
0: We went through um, a death in committee. We've gone through three bill designations. Wow. And last year, we, we thought we had the perfect plan to put together. Out again, the we were vetoed. <laughs> and I was like, you know, this, this sucks, but... I always have a plan B. Well, we dropped our Senate bill two years ago. We also dropped a House bill at the same time. So when we were vetoed, we already had a bill in play. Mm. And so this time we we hit all the check marks. The, um, the bill got to the governor's office, um, and, and he signed it last week, and I tell you, this has caused such excitement, not only across the country, in the industry, yeah. or I should say industries, because, you know, the, the fire, water, and mold guys are excited about it. The carpet industry people are excited about it. Um, we've gotten, um, you know, kudos all the way from Australia and South America from companies that have heard about this. Yeah. So this has this, been a great thing, it really has.
1: Like all things, there's multiple perspectives. As you listen to this, you may be thinking, well, there's parts of that that I really agree with and parts of that, that I'm like not so sure about. And if we go back to the uh, Fix Moldy Houses Act, you know, similar thoughts there or other efforts to try to professionalize our industry and codify that through the government, through legislation, through the states. So... Um, Gordy talked about that in our prior conversations. Some of the opposition.
0: When we started getting momentum and getting up there, is where all the noise from the opposition took place. Yeah. And they're like, you know, you, you know what our profit margins are, in this, and they're like, you know, you're trying to destroy the small businessman. You know, we're going to have outrageous insurance and, and, and bonding premium rates, and like so, you, you know, you. To be a real company, you got the minimum of yeah. uh, two million dollars worth of general liability. Yeah. To shut them up, what this bill says, you have to have a hundred thousand dollars worth of general liability. Okay. And <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's a laughing joke. And so when yeah. it came to the bonding, the same thing. We had about a hundred thousand dollars worth of bond, which is not not a whole lot. And I think we got a, a thirty thousand dollar bond. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we met the lobbyists and the lawmakers. They said. Gordy, I don't care if it's a, only a ten dollar bond. He says it's a ten dollar bond, and a man's got a felony; he can't get a ten dollar bond. And so the bonds was set at thirty. The, the limits were set way low, and just to show that you know we, we weren't trying to you know weed anybody out. But right. what, we're, what we were trying to do was you know there's a lot of people with predatory practices in this industry. Well, yeah. I was going to say a lot, but there's there's a few out there that make the industry look bad.
1: Especially the way things are going now, there's no excuse not to be informed, right? If you're uninformed and and you're going to be providing a service or under-trained, it's really, it's negligence because there's so many great resources. I got two opportunities for you. If you've enjoyed this back and forth with Gordy and you would like to meet one of the voices behind the introductions for the DOJO podcast, or... If you hate what we've been saying and you'd like to slap us in the face, we will be at the Restoration Industry Association Convention and Expo uh, April 24th through 26th in Orlando, Florida. That's the RAA, um, our industry gathering. And uh, Gordy and I, the last couple of years have started, you know, after the festivities every night, gathering around, um, bringing a bottle of whiskey to sample and just kind of debriefing with friends and peers that uh, we don't always get to see day to day. So you're welcome to join us. Look us up. Encourage you to attend that event. Lots of good things happening in the industry Uh, and in particular with the Advocacy and Government Affairs Committee with resources that they're putting into the hands of Everyday Restorers. So continue this conversation with us or come to fight. We'll see you there. We want to thank our sponsor. I will not bow to any sponsor. We've got the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, a.k.a. the IICRC. Most of you know about the training available through the IICRC and the standards, but you may not be aware there are several standards up for review currently that you can review them and input on whether you think they best reflect the industry consensus. Visit iicrc.org today. We also have David Princeton with Advocate Claim Service. He has a monthly column in Cleaning and Restoration Magazine, CNR. Dear David, if I want to take the anxiety out of my claim, who should I call? Advocate Claim Service. Advocate Claim. And the Restoration Industry Association, April twenty fourth through twenty sixth in Orlando, Florida, is Restoration Beautiful, the International Restoration Convention and Industry
2: Expo. Focus on making sure our restoration contractors are going to get something out of this. We want to make sure you're walking out the door with something.
1: Thank you to our sponsors. Please let them know that you heard about them on the Dojo Podcast. You have entered the Dojo Podcast. We have. In this infotainment modus operandi, which we utilize here at the Diojo Podcast, there is an intersection between what we are learning, what services we offer, the public discourse, and pop culture. It's fairly rare that pop, property restoration is in pop culture, but. I don't know if you're aware of this series. I'm sure everybody is at least aware of it. Last of Us, which is on HBO Max. Um, so if you're wondering where all of my dojo and book selling dollars are going into, it's going into that HBO Max uh, subscription for my family. So thank you. Thank you for helping my family have that resource. But um, by, by supporting the podcast, subscribing, liking, buying John a beer, putting a few coins in the bucket, if you will. But on this series, they inter- it's based on a video game, and they introduce this idea of not a bacterial infection or a viral infection, but potentially a fungus taking over the world, creating zombies. And uh, Dr. Newman, you're also an epidemiologist. I presume the prospect of a viral pandemic keeps you up at night as well. No.
3: No? No? All right, well, that's our show. <laughs> No, mankind has been at war with the virus from the start. Sometimes millions of people die, as in an actual war. But in the end, we always win. Uh, But uh, just to be clear, you you do think microorganisms pose a threat? Oh, in the most dire terms. Bacteria. No.
0: You like saying no? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not bacteria, not viruses. So, fungus.
1: A fungus. 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 This is a clip from a talk show uh, from episode one of uh, Last of Us, and this is supposed to be set in 1968.
3: Yes, that's the usual response. Fungi seem harmless enough? Many species know otherwise, because there are some fungi who seek not to kill, but to control.
1: Okay, say what now? A fungus taking over certain species. This can't be true. This is just some some show on HBO Max, right?
4: Not all fungi feed on the dead. Days ago, a spore landed on this ant. Now she's acting strange. A network of roots has infiltrated her muscles. Her body has been taken over by cordyceps.
1: So we're talking about a made-up show based on a video game in this talk show clip that we're playing that expands on this idea of a fungus outbreak. But the video you're hearing now with the dramatic music is called Zombie Parasite Cordyceps Fungus Takes Over Insects Through Mind Control. And this is from National Geographic. <laughs>
3: uh... Let me ask you, Where do we get LSD from? Where do you get it from? (laughs) It comes from ergot, a fungus. Psilocybin, also a fungus. Viruses can make us ill, but fungi can alter our very minds. There's a fungus that infects insects, gets inside an ant, for example, travels through its circulatory system to the ant's brain and then floods it with hallucinogens, thus bending the ant's mind to its will. Fungus starts to direct the ant's behavior, telling it where to go, what to do, like a puppeteer with a marionette. And it gets worse. The fungus needs food to live, so it begins to devour its host from within, replacing the ant's flesh with its own. But it doesn't let its victim die, no. It it keeps its puppet alive by preventing decomposition. How? Where do we get penicillin from? Fungus.
1: (laughs) Just so you're tracking, the talk show with the two gentlemen talking with the annoying background noise from my computer is a movie or a show based on a video game this next clip which backs up what they're talking about on this made up show is from National Geographic showing actual footage of an actual ant being inhabited by an actual fungus called cordyceps
4: a parasitic fungus it floods her brain with chemicals drugging her, compelling her to head where conditions are perfect for the parasite growing inside. It forces her to clamp down in a death bite, and Cordyceps reveals its gruesome nature.
1: If you're listening, I'll try to describe for you, um, but I encourage you to try to watch the video or go back and obviously view the um, source material from National, National Geographic But as Cordyceps takes over and the ant clamps down, there's this antennae looking thing that grows out of it, um, which is pretty gnarly.
4: After three weeks of growth, Cordyceps can release its own spores. Dr. Schoenheist, you're in distress.
3: Fungal infection of this kind is real, but not in humans. True, fungi cannot survive if its host's internal temperature is over 94 degrees. And currently, there are no reasons for fungi to evolve to be able to withstand higher temperatures. But what if that were to change? What if, for instance, the world were to get slightly warmer? Well, now, there is reason to evolve. One gene mutates, and an ascomycetia, candida, ergot, cordyceps, aspergillus, any one of them could become capable of burrowing into our brains and taking control, not of millions of us, but billions
4: of us.
1: Television show based on a video game, now National Geographic.
4: After three weeks of growth, Cordyceps can release its own spores, releasing more spores, infecting more ants. Cordyceps can wipe out entire ant colonies, but more than just ants are at risk.
1: They show video of cordyceps infecting like larvae, cocoons, Uh, it looks like a tarantula, and much larger insects.
4: There are over 600 species of cordyceps spread across the world. Most are found in jungles, where they prey on a whole host of victims.
3: Billions of puppets with poisoned minds permanently fixed on one unifying goal. To spread the infection to every last human alive by any means necessary. And there are no treatments for this, no preventatives, no cures, they don't exist. It's not even possible to make them. So if that happens, we lose.
1: Cue dramatic music. Cue door getting kicked in. Cue your team fully decked out in PPE. Mold. Full-face respirator Mold They got their mold removal tools Mold And
3: don't let this happen to you because X-Restoration's gonna get rid of all
1: the mold
4: in your home After three weeks of growth Cordyceps can release its own
1: spores I'm here live on the scene with a member of the team from X-Restoration that just successfully completed the removal of cordyceps, yes, a case of cordyceps in the home of this resident here. Uh, Yes, uh, please tell us more about the process.
2: I have exercised the demons. Uh, girl, uh, when we go into the
1: homes, we, we find the mold, and we remove it, and, uh, we believe that, uh, therefore we are saving all of mankind from, uh, national, hostile takeover by, uh, this, uh, zombie parasite. This house is clear.
3: Don't allow zombie parasites into your home! Call X restoration today!
1: Mold. This sucks. A few episodes back, I introduced, we're working on book number five. The working title is Challenge Accepted, an open letter to young people entering the workforce. I read from the rough draft of the introduction. So today, what are we working on here at the DOJO? Want to talk about the learning curve. This book, Challenge Accepted, is designed to help those entering the workforce. And There's not a single job in this town. Yeah. Unless you want to work 40 hours a week maybe those that you're hiring and want to give them uh, some tools to help them understand what it takes to be successful. I want to make bank, bro. In pursuing work and uh, advancing their careers and some of those mindset and habits that will set them up for success for themselves and in your business. I want to drive a Range Rover. So the learning curve, what is the The learning learning curve? curve? That is the gap between where you are and where you want to be. It is bridged by what you need to learn. Educate yourself, you fool. There's where you are, where you need to be, and the bridge in between is what you need to learn. The learning curve. Thus, shorten their dang learning curve. The key thing I hope people understand when they listen to the podcast or read the content we put out, there is no shortcut for your learning curve. You, as a professional, you... As a contractor, whatever you're doing in life, there's no shortcut, shortcut, shortcut for your learning curve, but you can shorten your learning curve challenge accepted closing that gap is accelerated by two things your inputs and your outputs so we talk about in this book
4: challenge accepted
1: your inputs are those influences from outside of yourself that increase your knowledge skills and abilities i'm ready to go in coach just give me a chance the outputs are those elements from within yourself such as being honest hard-working and willing to learn i know there's a lot riding on it but it's all psychological something we introduced Introduced in the introduction, which we've previously talked about, the three B's. Be honest, be hardworking, be willing to learn. Just gotta stay in a positive frame of mind. You need to develop your ability to apply your heart to what you observe if you're going to learn lessons from what you see. Your most immediate challenge is moving from where you are now to where you want to be in the near future. Challenge accepted. This is an open letter to young people entering the workforce people that may be on staff or people that want to advance within your company.
3: I'm your
0: huckleberry.
1: But there's three where's we talk about. Where number one, where I am. Where number two, where I will be, the immediate future. And then where number three, where I want to be. In order to successfully transition from where you are, number one, to where you want to be, number three, you need to be honest about your current level of knowledge, skills, and abilities so that you can learn to develop them further. That's just my game challenge accepted book number five coming from the dojo john isaacson the potential restorer challenge accepted an open letter to young people entering the workforce find out more about this book at the dojo.com forward slash book five
4: this sucks great story compelling and rich
1: thank you for tuning into the dojo podcast we hope you were informed yeah so i've learned something new here and entertained are you not entertained dyoj forward slash podcast you can buy john a beer you can support the show or you can buy one of the books i've written the last one being how to suck less at estimating what am i supposed to do and you can find them on amazon there's nothing like it out there
0: What the industry needs is conversations like this.
1: Thursdays are four. The Ojo Podcast. What are you, stupid? My, my, mindset change. Helping contractors shorten their dang, dang, dang learning curve. Once you get to the point
2: where you're not willing to listen or not willing to learn,
1: we pound sand. The Ojo Podcast.
4: This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard.
3: complete hogwash.